Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're glad you've been able to tune in. And they saw a great big billboard for Brazil nuts and they just said, God wants me to go to Brazil. You know, I just wonder what if the next sign they'd seen was for Mars bars? Does the thought that God knows everything about you comfort or disturb you? Yes, that depends on what you're doing with your life, doesn't it? We can't hide from God who fills heaven and earth. There are people who will tell you otherwise, but they're not representing the truth. Be careful who you listen to. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 23 to look at prophets who do not profit. So we're, we're in Jeremiah. Let's, I'll, I'll pick it up in verse 23, then we'll go to verse 24. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Now, hey, what's this about? Well, we're going to see Jeremiah is going to now be challenging some of the fundamental ideas behind these false prophets. You see, to them, God was in the temple or God was in that idol on the hill overlooking your farm. But he certainly wasn't everywhere. So this meant that you could go to the temple and look religious, walk out of the temple and do whatever you wanted because God couldn't see you. You go into the temple, he's watching. Leave the temple, he's not watching. How many people have that attitude about church? And here these false prophets were people that wore the, the kind of clothes that the, the, the prophets wore. They were in the temple. They were participating in what appeared to be worship, but they were not really worshipping. And their main deal was God is in here. God is up there. You must go to God because that's where he is. I like the way there's a new translation that's come out, the New English translation. It renders that verse this way. This is verse 23. It says this, Do you people think that I'm some local deity and not the transcendent God, the Lord asks? So there's two words here that people who are into theology will immediately recognize. One is the word imminent. Imminent means really close and near. And for the Christian, this is a wonderful thought that no matter where you are in life, God is near you. Wonderful thought. The word um, that the name given to Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. Beautiful thought. For unto you a child is given, Emmanuel. God with us. He's near. But then there's this other word, transcendent, which the New English translation uses. Transcendent, it's a beautiful word. It means he's far high and above. And so there's, there's these, this, this idea that God is both near and yet he's above and beyond. And God is addressing this through the prophet Jeremiah. Do you think that you, you can put me in a box? It's more or less what he's saying. Do you think you can just put me in a box, open up the box, and you think you can treat me like that? You think I'm a, a, a day of your week, a compartment of your life? Is this what you think of me? And Jeremiah is really going to labor that this is not how you treat God. It's interesting that he starts off addressing the concept of God. You know, a concept of God, it's, it's this word theology. Theology is your concept of God. Theology is the study of God. What you think of God R.C. Sproul, one of my favourite theologians, he said this, everyone is a theologian, it's just that some are good ones. You see, you could say, 
I don't think there is a God. Oh, so you're a theologian. That is the comment of a theologian. That's an idea, of, that's a concept of God. There is no God. Oh, so you're a theologian. I'd be interested to hear your qualifications for a statement like that. Go ahead. No, I just reckon. Yeah, but why do you reckon? Well, I just don't think there could be a God. Certainly not the God in the Bible. Well, I'd be really interested to explore that, find out why you think that, and where did you get that idea from? Because these are some of the ideas that these false prophets were sowing into the people of that day. The God that Jeremiah is telling you about, he's not the real God. The, the real God is in that statue that we made just the other week um, and put on that hill. That's the real God. And, and he lets you uh, do whatever you want. Now, you tell me, which God do you want? The God that cramps your style that Jeremiah's preaching about? Or the God that'll kind of let you do whatever you want? Come on, what'll it be? That was the choice. And here Jeremiah's saying, you, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm in a box, I'm here? And, and that I can't see what you're doing? Now, here's this, there's this other word that theologians use, it's called tension. It's when two things that sound opposite are actually true at the same time. God is both loving and just. Now, this is a really, really difficult concept to get today because we live in an age that has totally messed up the definition of love. And you hear people say, well, love is what I can get. You know, that is not the definition of love. The definition of love is actually completely the other way. Love is what you can give. To love someone is to give without expectation of return. And don't we live in an age where I'll love you as long as... Just complete the sentence. Yeah, I'll love you. But if you ever, then I won't. That's, you see, that's... I'm. That, that betrays that this love is a, I'm get, while I'm getting something here, I'm going to love you. And this word just, God is loving and just. Loving in that he's prepared to forgive. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. But he's a God of justice. A God who will always make sure justice is done. And for some people, we live in an age where, where those two ideas... People just can't see how they can be the one in, in the one and the same person at all. But here's the, here's the love of God, John 3.16. For God so, what the world? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And what did he do to his son? He put justice on his son. Justice that we deserved. Here's the question for you. Do you want God to give you right now what you deserve? I sure don't. Because I know what I deserve. And it's justice from God. And right now I'm thankful that Jesus took the justice that I deserve. So God is both known and unknown. See, we live in a world that says, well, you can't really know. You can't know if there's a God, I mean, how can you be certain there's a God? Well, here's my question. 
just help me to understand what you are certain about. Just anything. Are you sure that the four legs of the chair that you're sitting on right now does not have one which we sneakily hacksawed one of those legs this morning, just a random chair, and we placed it in? Are you sure? Now there's an element of doubt, isn't there? How do you know? See, what, what are you certain about? I'm going to put it to you now. You're not certain about anything, but you're certain enough about most things. And here's the question. Can we be certain enough about God? Absolutely. How? Well, because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm, I'm, if, I, if I had nothing but the book of Jeremiah and I read about this guy claiming to hear God, speaking on behalf of God, declaring things, and then over the next months years, decades, it all came to pass. If that's all I had and I was on a deserted island, I'd go, I'm going to worship his God. He's convinced me. God can be known. He can be known. Does that mean he can be fully known? No, that's the unknown bit. You'll never plumb the depths of knowing God. God is both known, knowable, and unknown. The next verse introduces another theological concept about God. It's it's verse 24. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. See, here's this false prophet idea that God is in the church. He's in the temple. And that's, that's, you, you want to go to meet God, go to the church. And for people who follow Christ, you realize we don't go to church. We are the church. We don't go to church. We come together as the church. You can meet with God in your lounge room. You can meet with God in your car. You can go for a walk. But the beauty of meeting together is a statement that when Christ said, I'm building my church, we go, well, if that's what you're doing, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not outside of that. I'm in. If that's what you're doing and I'm following you, I want to follow you with all my heart. So... Let's complete some of these. God is. What, what, God is. Well, I'm going I'm, I'm to use some theological terms here. Omniscient. Omniscient. God is omniscient. Omni, all, omniscient, knowing. God is all knowing. There's not a thing about you God doesn't know. God knows the next word about to come off your tongue. He knows it. Jesus demonstrated this. At times, he was able to talk to people in public without them even uttering the words. You remember, he was at Simon's house, the rich man, the rich scribe, who Jesus was there and this woman comes in and and begins to cry and cry and cry. Now, the background of this is Jesus had just publicly forgiven this woman. She was about to be stoned to death. And Jesus prevented it from happening and forgave her, clothed her and said, go and sin no more. And she is just overcome with gratitude to Jesus. And so he's invited into the home of this scribe. He goes in there and then as they're kind of reclining in that kind of Middle Eastern way of eating, this woman comes in and just it grabs the feet of Jesus and is uncontrollably heaving and sobbing tears of deep gratitude and then from from her pocket she pulls out this exp- 
expensive perfume and you know it was expensive because it was in a really incredibly small bottle. And so uh, she breaks open this perfume, pours it on his feet. And Simon thinks to himself, if Jesus knew who this woman really was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. And Jesus at that point looks up and looks at Simon. Now, I would personally, on a freaky scale, my meter would be off the chart about there. And he looks at Simon as if he just heard clear as day what Simon just said and said, Simon, is that what you think? Don't you realize to whom much has been forgiven, they love much? And then he's like, I tell you the truth, this woman has been forgiven of a lot. That's why she loves a lot. And then he says this amazing thing, and I've just helped fulfill exactly what Jesus said. He said, Simon, I tell you, wherever people talk about me, they're going to talk about this woman and what's just happened here right now, all over the world, for thousands of years. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows exactly what... You're thinking. He knows what you've done. You can't hide from him. Um, was it Cliff Richard who, or Bette Midler who sung the song? I think they both sung it. God is watching from a distance. That's the only kind of bit that needs a theologian to come and polish it up a bit because he's not that distant. God's watching really close. What's another God is? God is omnipresent. He's, he's right there. He's near. That's really good. I'm comforted by that thought. And I tell you, my life has been spared, even recently, several times, because God has been watching over me. If if we were just to have a one-on-one and I was to ask you, tell me, has there been a time in your life where you should have been dead? And you're not. We've got those stories, haven't we? Why, Why is it there's a sense that God is watching over us? God is watching, Bette Midler saying. From a distance, he's watching and he cares. It's a wonderful thought. God is omnipresent. No matter where you are, you can call out to him. When I was a kid, one of my favourite TV shows was International Rescue. Thunderbirds. Uh... (laughs) I love that show. And the beauty of that show is that you could pick up any walkie-talkie anywhere on the planet. And you could just go calling International Rescue on any channel. And Scott up in Thunderbird 5, the space station, would suddenly just hear you. Of everything that's happening in the world, he'd just hear you. And, and, and I don't think they meant to make that a picture of what it sounds like to God when someone cries out in prayer. But I tell you what, God is not just the international rescue. He's the universal, eternal rescue. <laughs> so God is omnipresent. So here's the question. For me, that, that thought that God is watching, and Jeremiah is saying to these false prophets, it's not that God is in a box on a mountain, on a hill. It's not that God is in a, literally in a box, literally in a wooden box called an ark. It's not that he's literally in a box, in behind that veil, in the temple. That's not it. God is everywhere. He is not everything, but he is everywhere. And Jeremiah is confronting this with the people. Now, here's, here's the question. Does that thought... That God knows everything about you. Does that comfort or disturb you? Okay, verse 25. 
I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamt. I have dreamt. This is one of the clues that Jeremiah is giving about what distinguishes a false prophet. And in a moment, God's very clearly going to highlight this in, in a couple of verses where these prophets claim God has spoken to me in a dream. And they've got these very, what we call, subjective, so-called messages from God. I have dreamt. Be very, very careful of people who claim to hear from God from dreams all the time. It's interesting that in the Bible, the most common way God spoke to someone in the Old Testament was through a dream. But what's interesting is how often he did it to that person. Maybe some of the people that had dreams in the, in, in the Bible maybe had two. Some of them only ever had one. Maybe they had three, but that was about it. These people, you know, I had a dream last night of a sunflower opening up and I just knew God was calling me to Mongolia. What the heck? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the person who like, can be just so flitty, just so vague about their spirituality and connecting with God. And I don't think it's like that. But they were driving, you know, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And they saw a great big billboard for Brazil nuts. And they just said, aha, God wants me to go to Brazil. You know, I just wonder, what if the next sign they'd seen was a, for Mars bars? <laughs> Here's the question. Which prophets, and you've got them in your life, which ones are lying to you? You may only have a few, and they may be, they may be Oprah. It could be Eckhart Tolle. It could be, it could be these guys. Um, oh, there's a whole host of them, and they're just false prophets. They're telling you lies. Which prophets are lying to you? And, and if, if that sounds like, well, that sounds judgmental, well, only because I, I want to spare you something. And how do we know? How do we know what's the difference between truth and error? Here's Jeremiah saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God is saying. What those prophets are saying is lies. It won't profit you anything. It will ultimately destroy you. Okay, we're listening to this. We're going, who's right? Who is right? How can we tell the difference between truth and error? There are about four tests of truth that you can apply to any claim. Number one, does it correspond to reality? Does it correspond to reality? Number two, is it consistent? I mean, one of the things that police interrogators do, and I was listening to a police interrogator, he said one of the things we do is we get people to tell us their story, their alibi, over and over and over. And when we hear someone tell their alibi, their story, and next time we say, now remind me again, what was your alibi? And it's different. Then they do it again and it was different. You go, you're lying, aren't you? And that's how you can tell. Is it consistent? Thirdly, truth doesn't contradict itself. It's, it's, if it was true at the start, it's true at the beginning. If it says this, it'll say this all the way through. It doesn't contradict itself. And fourthly, truth can be tested if if I say to you, give your life to Jesus Christ, you can experience a joy that you've not known, a peace that you've not known. You can put that truth claim to the test. You can try it. Truth can be tested. We read in verse 28, Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. So God is saying, 
These people can claim to have dreams. They can claim to have visions. They can even claim that I'm speaking to them and through them. It doesn't really amount to much because the one who is taking my established word, my word, this word. I, I heard someone say not that long ago, I know the Bible says this, but I feel God would have us. As soon as I hear the word but in that sentence, I just switch off. Because if you're going to tell me the word of God says this, but we should do this, I know who I'm going to listen to. I'm going to listen to this. The word of God. See, those who have my word of God, let them speak my word faithfully. And that's what God wants. So here's the question. How do you respond to the word of God? We, we go on. We read in verse 29 this amazing thing because this is, this is kind of what the word of God will do to a person. I love this verse. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? You see, what he could have said is, Is not my word like fire that melts a cold, iced-over heart? And if your heart is so hard and so cold and you can get permafrost, that ice is harder than granite, and God says, If that's you and you won't melt, you won't melt your heart before me, then my word will be like to you a hammer and it will smash your heart. I don't want my heart smashed. God, just melt my heart. Have your way. I want to respond to God like that. It goes on and says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies, by their recklessness, when I did not send them or charge them so they do not profit this people at all declares the lord there's that verse 32 these prophets do not profit god's people at all let me bring this to a close i think we should be people that know truth from error truth from nearly true but not quite i think that's really important i think we need to recognize that We all have a concept of God and and your concept of God determines how you live. If you live in a certain way, it will determine the rest of your eternal destiny. In a moment, I'm going to invite some people to pray this prayer. And I'll come back to this in a moment, but I want you to see this. Because this is a prayer that responds to God and says, God, have your way in my life. I want you to have your way in my life. I pray a prayer like this continually throughout my life. I want to live this prayer. So I'm going to come back to that in a moment. There are some, just by way of wrapping this up, there are some people that say, God's word teaches this, and you've never read it in God's word at all. And here's a little piece of advice from your pastor. Here it is. Look for the weight of Scripture. If it's important in the Bible, chances are the Bible will make it important. Does that make sense? If this is a really, what they're telling is really important and it says it from cover to cover in the Bible, then chances are you would have read it. And if, you, if, you, if they have to take you through a three-hour intricate Bible study and, and the nuances of the Hebrew, the Greek and the Aramaic and maybe throw in a little bit of Latin Vulgate in there and take you to the Apocrypha to justify their interpretation, chances are it, it's not there. The important things of Scripture are, the, are treated as important in the Bible. And here's the, here's the thing, and I think it's particularly important as we consider what we've just done today. 
as well. Because for some people they say, it's what you believe that determines whether you go to heaven or hell. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross for your sins in your place? Because if you do, you'll go to heaven. No, 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 that's not... It's not what you believe, it's who you trust. And out of your trust will flow certain beliefs. In fact, your trust will be grounded on what you believe, but it's not because you believe the right things that you're saved or not. And we need to get this. What you believe determines what you worship, and what you worship determines your eternal destiny. If you believe you don't need anyone, if you believe you and God have got a deal going and you believe that you're pretty good and you're okay and you don't need no saviour, who are you trusting? Sounds like you're trusting yourself. You want to stand before God and tell him, you should let me in. On the day you pass this life and go to the next, you should let me in. I'm just as good as you. Let me in. All the best with that. I don't think that's smart. And if we were to have sort of a one-on-one behind closed doors, I reckon in about five minutes you would acknowledge that yourself. If you were to be honest. So here's the deal. I've said God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. But God is love. He's all loving. He's all true, which means he only ever does what is right. He will never do you wrong. Never. And this God says, I will forgive you. And Jeremiah was pleading with the people to receive that forgiveness. And for the most part, they didn't. And I'm standing here today, re-preaching his message. And my invitation to you is, will you receive his forgiveness today? On the screen is that prayer again. And the opening line of it asks, God, please forgive me. And I want you to hear the appeal to God. We call this grace because we're saying we can't do it. And God is saying, I can do it for you. That's why religion is spelt D-O. But Christianity is spelt D-O-N-E. Let's pray. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you know that you're at a point in your life where you need to get right with God, I invite you to pray this prayer. God, please forgive me of my sins. Come and live in me and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. Amen. There are prophets, teachers of the word, who don't teach the truth, so be careful who you listen to. More from Dr Corbett next week with a new series, The Beauty Project. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Prophets Who Do Not Profit, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. 
We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.